In Rome, in the Eternal City, there is a uh, series of 28 marble steps that were brought to the city of Rome by St. Helen, who is the mother of Emperor Constantine, the first Christian emperor, i.e. the city of Constantinople. So in the third century, he, she brought these 28-step marble steps from the city of Jerusalem and put them in Rome, and they call them now the Santa Scala. The Santa Scala, right next to this beautiful church called the Laterani Basilica, which is the actual church of the Pope, St. Peter's. St. Peter's is where uh, St. Peter's buried. The church of the Pope is called the Lateran or the Laterani Basilica. So right next to it is the Holy Steps, as they're known. So every year, pilgrims, thousands, come from all over the world, and they go up these marble steps, not by walking, but on their knees. They cram in there. You've got somebody right here and right here and right behind you, and it takes about an hour to go up the Santa Scala, these 28 steps, on one's knees. And as you can imagine, it's pretty uncomfortable. I was going up these one time. I was getting up there, and there was, uh, I was getting kind of fatigued. But you can't really move because there's people all around you. And my knees were really, really hurting. And there was this elderly woman in front of me. She was maybe mid-80s. And I thought, well, dear Lord, if she can do it, I can do it. Suck it up, buttercup. Let's go, right? But according to Catholic tradition, every single step of these 28 steps, we're supposed to meditate on a different stage in our own life. Going, starting from when you were itty-bitty, teenager, newly married, in college, whatever it was, until we, the top step represents when we leave this life, when we go back to the Lord. So every single step you meditate on something that you yourself or your family or your marriage or whatever has come through. And as you get to the top, you're supposed to look down on this 28 steps and you realize God got you through. About an hour. It's a spiritual pilgrimage, I can tell you that much. And it ain't easy. Not just physically, but emotionally. What are the stages that you and I have gone through in our life? I encourage you to think about them as if you're doing your own Santa Scala. In fact, we could say the same thing, couldn't we, about the Catholic Church itself? We've gone through different stages over the course of 2,000 years. But it begs the question, if you permit me, does anybody know, anybody know by chance, what happened to the 12 apostles? What, what happened to these guys after Jesus went up to heaven? Here we go. In case you're curious, here we go. St. Peter and St. Paul, according to tradition, they were killed the same day in 66 AD by Emperor Nero. Peter was crucified upside down, as you know on the hill Vaticanus in Rome, right next to the Tiber River, which is where the Vatican is today. St. Paul was 
beheaded, now buried at St. Paul outside the wall. St. Andrew. St. Andrew was the brother of who? Peter. Very good. So how did St. Andrew die? He was crucified in an X, an X form. He's the patron saint of Greece, Turkey, Russia. St. Thomas the Apostle, does anybody know where he died? India. He was celebrating Mass in India, and they threw a spear through his back. He's now buried in Madras on the coast of India. St. Philip was crucified in North Africa. St. Matthew the tax collector went to Ethiopia, and he was stabbed there. St. Bartholomew, a.k.a. Nathaniel. Does anybody know how he died? Of all the apostles, he died the most gruesome death, to be sure. He was flayed alive, which means he had his skin scraped from his body while he was still alive. In fact, if you see statues of him in Rome, he's holding his arm up like this, and hanging over his arm is his own skin. That dude's tough, man, let me tell you. St. James the Greater was beheaded in Jerusalem. St. James the Lesser was stoned in Jerusalem. St. Simon was crucified in Persia, a.k.a. modern-day Iran. St. Matthias, does anybody know uh, whose place he took? Judas the Iscariot. So we hear in the Acts of the Apostles that St. Matthias was elected by the Apostles to take the place of Judas Iscariot. He was burned to death in Syria. St. Jude was beheaded in Syria. And St. John the Apostle, the only one not to be martyred, died an old man on the island of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. These were normal men, brothers and sisters. They were normal dudes. In fact, if we read the gospel, they had fights. Peter and Matthew, boy, they were at each other's throats. And yet, God saw in each one of them what they would become. In fact, maybe we could say this. He saw in the apostles not credentials, but potential. He saw potential, not their credentials. And maybe we could just say it this way. You may have heard the expression that we've had for many years in the Catholic Church. It says this. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God does not call those who are qualified because that, that's none of us. He qualifies those he calls, which is, by the way, not just for priests or popes or bishops. It's for every one of us. Do you ever feel unqualified <laughs> to what God asks you to do? Those of you that are parents, the, when you came home with your child from the hospital, and you're like, man, like, this kid needs me to live. You feel unqualified for that? We often feel totally unqualified for the things that drop in our lap, and yet God, just like the Santa Scala, He sees us through it, doesn't He? Even though it's hard to see at the time. You know, I, I, I was... I have this expression that I use a lot <laughs> called the, the blessing of ignorance or incompetence, the blessing of incompetence. Sometimes when we feel incompetent 
for something, it's actually a blessing. Why? Because it keeps us from doing things we should not do, and it keeps us humble. Imagine Father Ben as a bank robber. You imagine me robbing a bank? I would be like Barney Fife robbing a bank. Like, I'd forget to load the gun. And I know my, I would go to the bank and I'd be like, look, I'm so sorry. I'd go up to tell her, I'm so sorry. Can I just have all your money? You know, and she'd be like, uh, here's $5, please go away. I mean, as a priest, uh, it vexes me. I've been with people that, like, they, they'll have one spouse, but three girlfriends on the side. And I'm like, how do you even do that? I mean, thankfully, I am way too incompetent to pull that off, right? It's the blessing of incompetence, okay? Sometimes incompetence keeps us humble, and it keeps us from going off the rails. Don't let me, let, let me just tell you, the apostles, there's no question they felt incompetent, inept. When Peter was sinking, and yet Jesus bent down and pulled him up, right? It's the same with us. Sometimes we feel in completely like we have no idea how we're going to get through something, and yet Jesus sees our potential, not our credentials. When I'm celebrating Mass and I'm holding the Lord in my hands, I'm thinking, who am I to do this? <laughs> I mean, who am I to do this? Certainly not qualified. And yet, for whatever reason, he called me. So I'll close with this. This past year, I was in um, southern France in this little bitty town called Aix-en-Provence, spelled A-I-X. The French is called X. And it's a beautiful town not too far from Lourdes. So about 25 miles east of this little town, Aix-en-Provence, is a beautiful church according uh, to, the, in the honor of St. Maximim. So in the church of St. Maximim, there buried in this church is not some great pope, it's not this politician, it's not a monarch, it's none other than a prostitute. There's a prostitute buried in this church. St. Mary Magdalene is buried there. And thousands and thousands of people come from all over the world every year to pray at the tomb of St. Mary Magdalene. What we call the apostle to the apostles, because Jesus appears to a prostitute before he appears to the first pope or anybody else. And he says, I want you to go and tell these apostles that I will meet them later. It's the first person he appears to. He didn't see her qualifications. He knew very well what she had done. It's as if he was saying, look, I don't really care. I don't really care what you've done. But I see what you can become. So I just want to ask you, do you have people in your life that you want them to be something that they aren't? I'm just going to say that again. Is there someone in your life and you want them now to be something that they may be later. Okay, because that's what Jesus did with Mary Magdalene and all the apostles. He saw what they would become, even if they themselves didn't see it. Oh, and by the way, in case you didn't get this memo, it's the same for you. 
You think I'm kidding? Where were you 20 years ago in your spiritual life? <laughs> Would you be sitting here? For that matter, five years ago. Would you be sitting here? Have you walked a path? Have you gone through your own Santa Scala over the course of 20 years? I'm guessing you have. Peaks, valleys, and everything in between, the good, the bad, the ugly, that's life, okay? But I can guarantee you this, God sees in each one of us your potential, not your credentials. Thanks be to God.